episode 107. 107. Of the Talking Buds podcast. How's it going, everybody? Thank you for joining us. Um, another week. I would like to start this week off by making a statement. Okay. Let's hear it. Which is what I usually do every yeah. week. So that this is really isn't any different. No. But at the end of last season, after the debacle that happened against the Habs, and everyone, myself included, was screaming from the rooftops, fire everyone. Yeah. Right? I'd like to walk a portion of that back with respect to one Kyle Dubas. I do not believe, even if they flame out again this year, I do not believe that Kyle Dubas should lose his job. Mm. Kyle Dubas did a fantastic job sort of filling some roster holes going into this season. Look no further than deciding to replace Zach Hyman with Michael Bunting. Yeah. And we all wondered aloud, ourselves included, we were like, we thought the hype for Bunting for people who had watched him was a bit out of this world. We flat out made jokes about Michael Bunting and all but, the other guys who are relative no names on this roster. I want to I wanna, uh, be perfectly clear in that we weren't making fun of Michael Bunting, the hockey player. Yeah. We didn't know Michael Bunting. I, I didn't even know Michael Bunting was playing in the NHL. We were making fun of the people who were like heralding this guy as the savior. And we were like, slow down. Like, hasn't even played a full season in the league. Yeah. Well, the joke's on us because Michael Bunting is a fantastic hockey player. Yeah. Who fits perfectly alongside. Austin Matthews on the top line brings the Hyman element, but you could argue because his his body hasn't taken the punishment that Zach Hyman's has over the years that he's more he's a more effective hockey player than Hyman was. And I just full circle like I, I think Kyle Dubas, if they flame out again this year, yeah, I think Kyle Dubas should be afforded the opportunity to try and get out from under some of these big contracts and rebuild this roster before just throwing him out the door. Yeah. If you look at his career as the GM, as the league, it's, it's just like there's really good and very questionable, which, I mean, you look at the way he's filled out the roster, like you said, great job. Bringing in Jack Campbell, great job. Um, then you look at signing guys to ridiculous contracts, uh, maybe paying Peter Morazic a little too much money, um, giving up, going, getting Nick Felino and all that stuff. So it's kind of just, it's kind of split down the middle with him. But I, I, I understand what you're saying. It, it is very impressive, um, the guys he's brought in on no money and how they've contributed, and including sticking with guys like like Engvall. Yeah. Like, how many times have we come on here and made fun of Pierre Engvall? Honestly, like he's turned out to be a pretty decent little hockey player. Yeah. Like he was great last night. He he was that fourth line needed help because the two old guys down there have been struggling. And I thought last night was a perfect example of putting Angval down on that line and and to see what kind of hockey player he's been able to grow 
into in this whole Dubas Keefe system. So there's there's examples like that, which I totally get where you're coming from, that maybe it's not the end of the world if they don't make the playoffs. So it looks bad, but maybe he's just sometimes you just need time, you know? Like look look how much time Mark Bergevin got yeah. in Montreal. Yep. And also, like, that's a long time. When for you him. start running through coaches and general managers, you become the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. And like, I just, I don't think if you're going to put down Kyle Dubas's like career and you're going to list it out as like pros and cons, mm-hmm. I think the pros outweigh the cons. Therefore, he should not be fired if they flame out the season. He should be given the opportunity to get out from under one of these big contracts. That's, that's what I think. And I just like, it's it's important to keep the continuity. Yeah. And I'm uh, the reason why I'm, I'm saying this and I wanted to start with this is because this is like I've changed my mind on this. Like I was blinded by rage. Well, we'll see, we'll see where we're yeah, at yeah, when yeah. Uh, when we're down and we're uh, clip this, seven. Yeah, clip this and play it for me when they yeah, when, make sure you remind us of this in the comments. Yeah, when, if they uh, lose, uh, yeah, when we're spazzing. We're throwing a professional spaz attack. So, what do you think of Keefe's decision to sort of spread the love up and down the lineup with the top three guys? I love poking fun at the media that has the horrible job of covering this team on a day to day basis. Because, I mean, we've been having this conversation conversation since Mike Babcock was the coach of this hockey team. Yes. Spreading out lines. Do you get, how many times have we said load up a line? Yeah. Or how many times we said spread out the wealth? It's, it's all different. I, I just don't get too fired up about these decisions because things are so fluid through an 82 game season. Like right now it's a great idea because like guys are playing better and you've, been able to find guys like to your earlier point, like Kasha, like Bunting, Kerfoot's having a better year that you can spread out the wealth a little bit more because you know William Nylander can play with Kerfoot because Kerfoot's having one of his best years of his career. Yep. And is he what is he's like plus 18 or something. And you could put Kasha, a guy you brought in, because he's got some skill and he can move the puck around and Bunting can go to the net. And Tavares needed some help. And Tavares' best year of his career was with Mitch Marner. So Put Marner back with Tavares. See what happens there. I, I just I don't get too excited about these things happening in the middle of the season. It's nice to try everything out. So when you do get to April or in this case May this season, that you know what that option looks like. You know what Marner and Matthews looks like, but you also know what Nylander looks down on the third line and what Marner looks like with Tavares. So I just right now it's working out. It's doing well, but. It, it could change next game or the game after that. So I, I just, I don't get too fired up about these kind of decisions that Keith makes. It's, it's a good idea in theory. Like I like the idea of spreading it out because I do think all these guys are good enough to play with other players. And I do think they have enough depth offensively to, for guys like Nylander to continue their great offensive season with guys like Kerfoot. But it's just, let's wait another five games. See, let's see where the lineup's at in five games. It's just everything changes constantly in an 82 game season. But I do like that about Sheldon Keefe is that he's not afraid to throw it in the blender. And if it's not working, he'll, he'll switch it up and try something else. Yeah. And that's to me, that's the most effective way to use the um, amount of offensive skill that you have. But at the same time off Austin Matthews has not scored a goal. So yeah, that's that. 
change. I know Michael Bunting got an, a, a hat trick, and but at the end of the day, Austin Matthews is arguably the best goal scorer in the NHL. He's gonna want his his genos at some point. So I just think with with Matthews, like you, you know, we we've talked about this a lot with Austin Matthews since since he's came since he's became a Toronto Maple Leaf, and like. I've just always been of the opinion that that there there is an, another gear there, and I've seen we've seen it we've seen him play like that we've seen him play like the dominant force in the NHL. But if not having Mitch Marner on your line is going to affect you this much, yeah. not saying that it has he hasn't played bad he's had his fair share. But if if let's say the offense does sort of sputter a little bit, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Like I don't you think, need to be able to drive your own line. I don't think it's been for a lack of. I don't think he's had a lack of chances. No. It's just it's just not going in for him. But star players are treated differently and get different treatment than everybody else. So if if this drought goes on a little bit longer, maybe he'll he'll go to Sheldon and be like, maybe you could throw me a bone for a game and yeah. put Mitchie back on my line. Like, um, I don't know. Power play is number one in the NHL. Why? You love talking about the power play. Why? I don't know. Mitch Marner's decided he wanted to score on the power play again. Like, I don't know. They, they're just moving the puck more efficiently and they're, they're getting they're getting better shots on net. They're firing the puck on net more. They're moving quicker. Uh, they're not as predictable with always going to Matthews. You have Nylander on that uh, in that option to, on the other side of the ice to shoot the puck. Uh, Morgan's putting it on the net more. Uh, Tavares is doing work down low. I, I think that um, it, it, this is we always talk about playoff success. This is how you can win a playoff series. You yeah. got to keep this thing going. We, but I don't get, I'm not going to get too excited <laughs> because we've seen this team go on stretches like this on the power play and yeah. then go, go to sleep. But yes. you continue the better zone entries. You continue moving the puck quicker in your own zone. You, you have multiple options. Like Mitch Marner can actually shoot a puck. We saw that. So I don't want to see him passing it when he has a wide open lane ever again, or else I'm going to go and, beat him over the head with a stick but i i just that that power play being number one like you go into the playoffs and that power play is as hot as they are right now like that that could be a difference and their penalty kill too yep like i'm pretty the sure PK, they, they're they're tied for fifth in the nhl i think they have like a top yeah they have yeah, a top five if you're PK. in the top five in both categories right. like you're a damn good hockey team the, the pk has been pretty solid all year yeah like it's had it's had its moments but it's for the most part it's been pretty and, solid and mckayev's come back and he's added to that but I, I think mitch marner is one of the best penalty killers in the nhl i think kerfoot's a good penalty killer um, they're D they kind of, they kind of have anybody back there on D to play the penalty kill. That's kind of a rotating door, but that, that was always their biggest issue. Like a decade ago, they always had like the 28th power play in the NHL and it was just garbage. So, I mean, look at their record. They're one of the top teams in the NHL and that's because of the special teams. Like that's usually a good indication of where you're at in the standings when you're both top five in both special team categories. Like they got to keep that going. They got to keep the momentum going. It's not going to stay hot forever, but avoid those. Oh, for tens. Oh, for 15s, whatever they were like, what were like one for 30 at one point last year? Like you, you can't have that going in the playoffs. Like you get into that tough game seven situation. Boy, you could really snap that streak. If your, your power plays rolling like they are right now. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. So we're talking about special teams rolling. One area that is sputtering a little bit mm-hmm. is the goaltending. Um, Jack Campbell coming back down to earth a little bit. Um, to be expected, I think he was a bit out of his mind to start the season. Yep. Like playing like ridiculous lights out, unsustainable pace. Um, this is the first time he's he's been a starting goalie all season. So at some point that was going to catch up with him. And Peter Morazic, Peter Morazic hasn't been terrible, mm. but he also hasn't been great. And no. I'm he's looked like a backup goalie. Uh, yes, I'm really on the Peter Morazic thing. As someone who's listened the last like three or so weeks, has probably figured out like yeah, you have to get this guy going. Like mm. have to. He makes too much money, and he's he needs to help take the load off Jack Campbell. I sound like a broken record, yeah. but it's just like you just watch in Detroit, and it's just like first shot of the game in the net, and it's like that you, we can't. Now this team is is high octane offense and can dig you out of that hole, and, and the Red Wings aren't exactly like they they came back and beat a hockey team that they're better than. Yes, yes. So it's just. I don't know what you do. Like, I think maybe when you get into February, as we get into February here, and the games start becoming more frequent because they're making them all up, then they have a chance to get kind of both of these guys in more of a rhythm. Like, yeah. I, because I just, that's one area that is just, we've seen it time after time. And, and you know what? This core takes a lot of heat for the lack of playoff success, as they should. Mm-hmm. But, Freddie Anderson was a huge part of all those choke jobs. Yeah. And they just, we, goaltending cannot be a factor and cannot let them down come playoff time. Yeah. And playing Morazic is twofold. It's taking the load off Jack Campbell, but it's also showcasing him to other hockey teams if you do want to move off that contract. Because, I mean, you sign that with great intentions. You, you had no idea if Campbell could be a number one guy. He's, we still really don't know. He's he plays he's played out of his mind. We show that he can be a number one when he's playing his best. But I mean, Jeff Merrick reported that teams have been calling the Leafs, being like, "Is this guy on the market?" So it's just my only concern with moving Peter Morazic is yeah, who who do you have to replace? Him? Like like what if what if Campbell gets hurt? Campbell, oh yeah, it's a yeah, disaster. Yeah, yeah. I know that that's a, but it's a tough decision yeah. because every off season, this hockey team is going to continue to face dilemmas like they faced this past off season with guys like Zach Hyman. Yeah, and and maybe they don't, they can't bring. I know goaltending is a different situation. So, I mean, Campbell, it's like that signing Jack Campbell this off season. It I think is the hardest decision a general manager can make, giving a guy a contract. 
who really has no resume other than like a year. You could look at Jack like Campbell's recent play from the other direction and be like, yeah, it's almost a good he's thing. at six million and now he's at five and a half yeah. and now he's at five and it's now like he's at four market. and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like the stock market watching uh, Jack Campbell play hockey it, right now. Yeah, so I think I think I you can I this is my take. I I, I don't want to see a number over five for that guy. Yeah, like there's there's no way, mm -hmm. and I know. But this management group makes me nervous because we've seen what's happened in the past. They overpay, and I just don't want to see them in a situation where they're overpaying for a goaltender because there's there's examples around the league. I know Florida's in first place, but they're paying their goalie $10 million. Imagine how much better they'd be if that guy was making a little bit less and they could add more to that roster. Like yeah. You just can't overpay for a guy who really still does not have a resume in the playoffs or in the regular season. Well, he's And but, then you have Peter Morazic where it's like, you're going to need that cap space to sign him, but then what if Campbell gets hurt yeah. and now you have Joseph Wall playing and Michael you. Hutchinson. And it's just like... <laughs> Yeah, I do not. I, I I I can criticize the decisions that general managers can make and our general manager, but this is a bind. Like, yeah. just put yourself in that situation. Yeah, like it, it is. That's not what I'm saying. Yes, Morazic makes too much money. It's 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 a detriment on their salary cap. How much he's getting paid. However, he's a guy who started in this league before, has put up good numbers in this yeah. league before. And if Jack or what if Jack Campbell really starts sputtering? Like yeah. it's not even a, a matter of him getting hurt. It's. Like, what if he really just, like, goes in the tank here? I know. And then it's... Like, so... Peter Morazic's your number one goalie. Yes. That's, that could very well happen. Yes. Like, that is that is a serious possibility. I think that um, both guys struggling... Well, not Morazic, but so more Campbell struggling more of lately is... The Leafs have gotten a little more loosey-goosey with letting guys free in their own zone lately. But there's also examples of Jack Campbell letting goals through the five-hole through the blocker in the arm, up in the short side. Well, I, So I, I think I think it's a two-way street as well. But. I posed this question on, on Twitter the other night, and everyone's like, oh, you know, like, since since coming back from COVID, they've really, like, no lead is safe. Like, they just keep blowing 3-1 leads. And yeah. it's like, yeah, but the main difference between, like, earlier in the season and now is Jack Campbell is not making every 10 bell save. I know. And it, you almost got to go back and review like those games saying that was it Jack Campbell covering up those mistakes that aren't being covered up now? Or were they actually locking it down a lot more than they are now? Because like you could I find think it's probably a little bit of both. You could find yeah. examples over the past or over all the games since they came back from COVID where Dude, they can let guys slip away in their own zone, and they're wide open. And, and and I know it's easy to point at a goaltender to be like, "Ah, oh, he should have had that. He should have had that." But that's why I said I think it's a little bit of both. It, I think, it's frustrating. I think that's why you you get like we talked about this last week. I think that's why um, you get Sheldon Keefe making comments in the media like he did after uh, the Rangers loss because. It's you're seeing because I, I notice it when they're up a couple goals. Some of the some of the big boys are are not picking up their oh, defensive every, assignments. It, it, it's it's and they're line. and they're cheating for offense a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's every line and there's and there's D losing puck battles a blow their own goal line. It's it's centerman not taking the guy coming into the slot. It's it, I find the whole goaltending conversation so interesting because it's like how many you want to give up two goals a game. 
right? If you give up two goals a game on average, you're going to win a lot of hockey games. But there there are going to be some two-on-ones, some missed assignments that your goalie can't get to. Yeah. But then you're going to have to also afford your goalie getting beat on the short side sometimes or through his arm sometimes. So it's just like where fans stand. Like there's some fans that are just pro goalie and there's some fans that are like any goal that goes in, it's like, oh, look at Morazic yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. So it's like where where do you stand as someone who analyzes the game where you place the blame on your defensive side or do you place blame on your goalie? Because your goalie's going to get beat sometimes and your goalie's also going to have no chance. So it's like some games, it's like Campbell gets all the blame, but then you go back and you're like, man, they they, they left that guy wide open. Yep, the, like, is he supposed to make that save? And I know there's examples of Andre Vasilevsky and Shesterkin who are just like top-level goalies, but not every team in this league has a top-level goalie. Yeah. So it's... It's it's really you got to really sit down and analyze the goals that they're giving up and and really decide how much blame you want to rest on your goaltender. And I don't know if Kyle Dubas is doing that or if anyone else is in charge in doing that or what Keith thinks about it. But it's just it's such a big factor with with the way Campbell's playing right now, because I just see so many different ways that goals are going in on him. I don't know. Well, hopefully, um, I think like over time, the the key thing is let's get Morazic going. Let's get him shouldering mo- most of the workload. Let's also like maybe like my two cents, and I know that like this is I don't know. Like, can we have somebody sit down with Jack Campbell and go enough? <laughs> like enough, enough with the hero media. Blame. Like enough. Yeah. Like sit down and go. Is this actually, or maybe it is something that he's struggling with mentally. So can we sit down with maybe the sports psychologist or something and be like, you okay, man? Because yeah. like after every game to to be sitting in the media and go, this one's completely on me. It's like, that's, let's stop that. Yeah. Like, let's, let's just, it's not your fault. A bunch of defensive zone breakdowns. It's okay to come out after a game and say, yeah, I wish I had that one back or a couple of those back. But like to... Like every game, like and it's and it's he's not that goalie where it's it's like that was totally on Campbell. No, that's like it's like what I was alluding to earlier. So there's, it, there's both sides. So as a team, when you come out in the media and you are making comments post game, it's just throw the general. Yeah, like just just do it. When is a team loses yeah, a team? Just type do it. Of thing. And if and like if if he really is somebody that like puts a lot of stuff on himself, then I hope that they have someone behind the scenes who's like kind of helping him through that because. Mm. I don't think it's good for him. I think if you're slumping, he's not slumping. He's just not playing at that level. To to like beat yourself up like that mentally is yeah. only going to make it worse. So let's just just get through it mm-hmm. and just yeah, like it's okay, man. It's yeah. okay. It's not your fault. Um, this city is flip floppy when it comes to gold and defensemen. Like, oh my. God goodness like one bad game and you're just in the doghouse in this city. well i think like, i think yeah i think this fan base has been really um like he was uh, making like ridiculous saves. yeah he was playing at a like he was playing like, at like a vesna level like high high level yes like his numbers and it wasn't just a month like freddie always had the one bad month one great month like it was those first two to three months he was just on fire and then he starts kind of just letting in goals that any other goalie in the league would let in and it's just like we're all turning on him we all hate him we're all 
questioning them. It's just I think that's what happens when you're a fan base that so has suffered hard. decades of losing. It's so hard to be patient as a hockey yeah. fan. But yeah. it's just like, man, this is a grind. This yeah. game is a grind. The season is a grind. Stuff happens. There's different segments of success and failure. And it's just it's so hard to keep a level head when it comes to the results that come out of this team. It's just I some people can can handle it. Some people are just hot. But like we've said in the past, it's it's usually driven by media that has to cover the team on a daily basis. So it's like you're kind of living and dying with each game that's being played. Um, before we get out of here, can we talk a little bit about the Arizona Coyotes playing in a 5,000-seat arena on a campus somewhere and why Gary Bettman just insists on making sure that this hockey team exists. One night I had a very vivid dream. <laughs> and my dream entailed at least eight hockey teams being cut out of this league <laughs> and being how much better shrunk be. down <laughs> to 22 or yeah. 20 teams. Yeah, it'd be way better. And how much better every roster would be, how yeah. much better every product would be. Yeah. Um, there's enough big like cities and markets that smaller markets could gravitate towards. And you can live here and be a Bruins fan. You can live here and be a Leaf fan. How much better the product would be if you just cut the crap with all this Arizona BS. Like, it's just like, it's a joke. It is a joke. It's a joke. And I know, I know like the the hurricanes are the the best team in the Eastern conference and the Florida Panthers are best, best team in the Eastern conference. And, but there was a lot of years where that wasn't the case. And I think there's at least eight hockey teams that you could snip right out of this league right now. And the product would be so much better and so, so much hotter and so much more competitive Mm -hmm. And it would just be so much better. It's this. This is crap. Yeah, it is. This is garbage. It is garbage. Uh, Can we this hockey team is moving into a 5000 seat arena, which they still won't be able to fill. (laughs) Can we please never again talk about Austin Matthews going to the Arizona Coyotes? I was never on that train. Like if he leaves, I'm not saying he's staying. No, but if he leaves, He's not going to the Arizona Coyotes. No, I was never on that train. He's a he's a big market fella. I don't, he I don't, loves bright lights, big yeah, city. I don't think he loves he's, it. Uh, I don't think he's going to a small market. Uh, all right, get out of here. Another week of hockey ahead. We're getting into the home stretch here in Feb, where it's just going to be like bang, 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 bang every yep. night, and get caught up and keep going towards the playoffs, man. Keep blowing leads, keep it, coming back from leads. Heading towards that trade deadline. What's yep. Kyle Dubas going to do? Is he going to bolster the defense if he's going to like I hate when they start throwing out names. Like yeah. the, the, the the name this week was they're throwing out Josh Manson from the Ducks and it's just like it gets me. I'm not smart enough to sit down and be Brandon Pridham with yeah. the numbers. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm never going to go on cap friendly, print out a sheet and start figuring out how they're going to do that. But you start throwing out names like that and it just gets me like kind of excited, but it's just like, nah, it's never going to happen. No. Like, it's never going to happen. They're, they're going to end up going out and getting a, a, a Ben Hutton yeah, or something. That, like, it's just like, they, <laughs> but that's all they can do. You know, and so, just, yeah, it is, it is what it is. I, and- I could dream, but it's just, it never makes any sense to me when they start throwing out names that could actually come in and make a difference. Like it just, I don't know. But I, I, I can only pray. All right. Well, 
Only time will tell, my friend. Thanks, everybody, for checking us out. If you like what you see, hit that like and subscribe button below. Also, if you're listening on the audio on Spotify or iTunes, leave a five-star review. Yeah. Hit the Hit the like button. Subscribe. Come along with us. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.